Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. I'm actually going to be... Uh, Picking up our message that I started a few weeks ago, uh, our series called Fight. And uh, I want to pick that back up in our storyline from Genesis, actually chapter 37 through chapter 41. Obviously, I'm not going to read all of that to you. Amen. Thank God, Pastor. I ain't going to read all that. But uh, I'm not going to read all of that to you, but I am going to be pulling from those, uh, those portions of scripture. And so I would encourage you this week to go back and read through it uh, because obviously there's things there that I'm not going to pull out but I think would be good for you to kind of identify yourself along with the life of Joseph and kind of see his his story a lot of times. Uh, stories in the Bible, people's uh, plight, if you will, their their journeys in the, in the Word of God. Oftentimes if we can identify with them, we can really see that they're really not much different than we are. They're kind of going through the same kind of situations that we're going through and it's encouraging to see the end of their story, how God is a God of victory and He always brings them out on the other side if they'll walk with Him through faith and trust in Him. And so today I want to continue that series called Fight because I believe we are in a fight. Is there anybody in a fight today in the house? Anybody battling some things in their life? Well, Jesus is here today to help us. And Our series text is found in 1 Timothy 6.11 and it says this, it says, But you... Oh, man of God. And I would say, you know, I started that by, by on Father's Day and talking to the men in the house, but that is not gender specific. So if you're a lady in this house today and you say, Pastor, I feel like I'm in a fight. This scripture's for you today. He says, but you, oh, man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. In verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called. You were called to eternal life this morning. That is your destiny. That is the plan that God has for you. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you're destined for anything other than His best for you and the life that He designed for you because it's a lie of the enemy. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. It says lay hold. Sometimes you just got to go out and get what you believe belongs to you. Sometimes things aren't going to be dropped in your lap. Sometimes the best relationship that you're looking for ain't going to be dropped in your lap. You may have to go out and you may have to lay hold of some things and fight for some things along the way and make them happen in your life. Is there any men of action, ladies of action in the house today that believes that it don't just happen by happenstance? It don't just come and find you. But sometimes you have to go out and fight and lay hold of the things that you want in your life. Quit complaining and belly aching about the situation that you're in and go change it. Because it's within your grasp. My Bible tells me that we serve a God of victory. And if we serve a God of victory, then victory has been claimed for you and I. And so if I'm living anything less than a victorious life, it's not Jesus' fault. It's my fault because I haven't grabbed hold of what He's already done for me. Amen. That's good preaching. Okay. 
Didn't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to be reminded. I think it's odd here in the scripture, and I don't want to take a lot of time with this because I want to get into our text, but it says, do you, you know, here in verse 12, it starts with fight, but it's, it's preceded by uh, him talking about some things that we need to pursue. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Do you find it odd that it says pursue gentleness? And then in the next beginning of the scripture, the next word, it says fight. Pursue gentleness and immediately it's followed with fight the good fight. Here's what I think that scripture is saying to us is that yes, we need to be people of gentleness. But don't you dare misplace your gentleness. Gentleness does not mean that you walk through life letting everybody and everything and every enemy in hell come against you and do whatever it wants to in your life. Gentleness does not mean being a doormat or a rug for anybody to walk on. Gentleness means I am kind. I am am full of grace. I am quick to give mercy. But don't you dare think that I'm going to stand here and let anybody or anything rob me of my destiny. Because when it comes to that, the gentleness is put aside and the fight gets on. Amen. So don't misplace that. Sometimes I believe that the kingdom needs a lion and not a lamb. Sometimes your situation needs a lion and not a lamb. Sometimes your marriage needs a lion and not a lamb. Well, I hope it works out. Make it work out. Do everything within your power. Listen, not everything's within your power. I get that and I understand that. And you can't make other people do what they're supposed to do. But there's, there's things that we can do as Christians. There are things that we can lay hold of as Christians. And we don't want to leave anything on the table. If we're going to be in a fight, then I'm going to fight to the end. Amen. So last time that we talked, in the, the, last, the first part of this message, fight... We talked about Joseph and how Joseph had had a dream that really no one wanted to hear about. Joseph comes, he's a young kid, he probably doesn't have a good filter and he's not really thinking when he begins to just kind of spew the things that God is telling him. So without a lot of tact and maybe even a hint of arrogance, he begins to talk about the dream that God's placed in his heart and, and his brothers just get irate about it. They're, they're frustrated, they're ticked off and they're looking for ways to put an end to this nonsense that they're hearing from his brother. Joseph, however, even though he may not have been the most tactful and maybe not have been the most wise in, in sharing his dream and sharing what God had for him, he believed that he had something more in him than what his circumstance provided. And because of that, he had this desire to experience and to share his dream. Some of you have stopped sharing your dream because nobody else believes in it. Nobody else is supporting it. But I want some people in the house today that says, I believe there's more in me than what my current situation is allowing me to experience. I believe God has a bigger destiny for me than what I am experiencing at this moment in my life. What my limitations around me are saying I can experience. And I want what God says I can have. Joseph was that kind of guy. And so my first points that I made to you was that you have to know what you're worth. Joseph knew exactly what he was worth. We have to know as Christians what we are worth. What is our value in the kingdom of God? What is God saying to us and is our worth more than what are the current value that's being placed on our lives? Yes, you may have people that tell you you can't. 
You're always going to have... Can I just say, you're always going to have people that tell you you can't? There's always going to be people that can come up with a hundred different reasons why you can't do what you feel God is calling you to do. And the number one reason, that number one person that will say you can't oftentimes is yourself. Your own internal dialogue is the largest enemy that all of us face. We allow the chatterbox or the enemy to get on our shoulder and begin to tell us all the reasons that we're disqualified. And so I just want to ask you, if you're not receiving what you feel like you're worth, then why? What's the reason behind that? And I think that's a question that all of us have to really think about and we all have to answer. We all have to really consider and wrestle with and discover if I'm not getting what I feel like I'm worth, if I'm not experiencing the value that I feel like God has placed on my life, then why? Is it me? Is it because I'm letting some others decide that for me? Am I letting the enemy keep me down? Whatever the reason may be, we've got to remove it and begin to move forward with God. Instead of Joseph's brothers supporting his dream, they chose to try and destroy it and Joseph in the process. They threw him in a pit and their plan was to come back and kill him. Later they sold him into slavery. They wanted him out of the picture. Has anybody ever put you in a pit? Anybody ever been put in the pit by somebody? The pit of despair? The pit of discouragement? The pit of dead dreams? The pit of inadequacies, whatever your pit may be. Have you ever been put in the pit? The second point that I talked to you about previously was if you know what you're worth, then go get what you're worth. No one can get that for you and there are plenty of people and obstacles that stand in your way, but if you know what you're worth, then go and get what you're worth and don't let anyone or anything stop you. And again, I just want to drive this point home is that I want you to understand that the number one person standing in your way is you. The number one hindrance to my life is not the devil. It's me. And the, the uh, footholds that I give him, the footholds I give other people, the speech, the uh, outer exterior speech in my life that I allow to become part of who I am and dictate who I am, it's me that allows that stuff to happen. No one decides what you are and what you do but you. And if you really want to discover that, God will, is speaking over your life and if you'll embrace what He says, my goodness, the sky's the limit. So today I want to continue our series, Fight. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, so much for Your presence. We thank You, God, that You are in this house today. Lord, we ask that You would open hearts and minds that, Lord Jesus, I see sparks, Lord, in this place, in the hearts of people. And, Lord, I'm just asking that today you would fan into flame those sparks. That, God, you would fan into flame the desire and the passion to serve you and to live for you, God. And that we would not let anything or anyone stop us from being exactly what you've called us to be. Open our hearts and minds today, Lord. Anoint this service in fresh and new ways. In Jesus' name we pray. As we look at Joseph's story in Genesis 39, previous to, to this passage, his brothers have slowed him into slavery and he's been bought by an Egyptian named Potiphar. And 
he's serving in the household and, and Potiphar immediately notices there's something special about this guy. He's, he's got something different than just your average slave. He's got a destiny. He's got a purpose. He's got an anointing on his life. And over time, he's elevated to the highest place in Potiphar's house. He's ultimately in charge of his entire household. So this goes along for a season of time. And Joseph's life, even though he's a slave still, his life's pretty good. He's in charge of Potiphar's household. He comes and goes as he pleases. He's deciding what happens with his affairs. And then trouble comes in verse 37. Let's read about that. It says, and it came to pass. Now I will stop there and just say that there's not five better words and five more dreadful words in in life. Because if good things are happening to you, listen, it will come to pass. And if bad things are happening to you, then praise God, it will come to pass. But life is a series of challenges and series of blessings. And we need to understand that. Just because we give our life to Jesus Christ doesn't mean that now we've avoided all the obstacles and difficulties of life. Oftentimes what it means is you can just expect the enemy to come after you. You can expect the enemy to throw things in your path. He's going to do everything that he can to derail you from the purpose that God has intended for you. And it came to pass. After these things, that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in this house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. Verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her, to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Joseph is just minding his own business. He's not doing anything wrong. Matter of fact, he's doing everything right. He's serving God by serving his master. Did you hear me? You know that you serve God by serving those in authority over you? You serve God by doing everything that you do to the best of your ability and doing it with the right attitude and the right heart? I'm not going to preach on that so everybody ease up. But I think that would be a good place to preach for a while. Because I think we let that stuff get in the way and sometimes we don't live up to our potential because we're afraid somebody's going to take advantage of me or somebody's going to do something to me that I'm not going to get what's rightfully mine. When if we trust the Lord with our affairs, then we know He's going to make sure it happens. So every day He's doing the right things. He's serving uh, His Master faithfully and in the process serving the Lord faithfully. And then this woman comes along, this, this wife of His Master comes along and she's begging Him. She's tempting him. She's throwing herself at him. And she's just giving him every opportunity to throw away what God has for him and embrace something that the enemy is trying to offer him. And so day by day, she deals with him. And she's after him. And and he's doing what's right, resisting her and, and trying to avoid her. But he gets caught this one moment where it's just him and her. She grabs hold of him. And he flees and leaves his garment. Listen. Never leave your garment behind. If we take nothing away from today's lesson, please take that away. You you don't want to leave them with leverage in an accusation. But here's what I want you to hear. 
is that success is always met with temptation. Success is always met with temptation. If you're successful in life, there's, the enemy's always going to come with some kind of temptation. It may not be a sexual temptation like we read about in the scripture. But it may be greed, it may be, it may be uh, you know, not doing your best. It could be a number of different things. Breakthrough, blessing is always challenged with temptation. Hear me today. Breakthrough and blessing is always challenged with temptation because the enemy has a trade in mind. When he comes to you, his goal is to get you to take the blessing that God is pouring out in your life and trade it for something else. That's of no worth, no value that he can use to trip you up along the way. If God's doing good things in your life and things are going in the right direction, then we have to be vigilant. We have to be sober. We have to be aware of what the enemy might be trying to do to us because sometime along the way, he's going to put some temptation. He's going to try something to derail you from experiencing the blessing that God has for you. Joseph does the right thing. He's done the right thing every single day. He does the right thing in this situation. He flees. She just happens to get a hold of his garment and hold on to it. And then Potiphar's wife uses that garment to set Joseph up. Let's read 19, verse 19. So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him, put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Sometimes doing what's right still leads to trouble for you. Sometimes doing what is right still leads to trouble for you. There is a concept or this mindset sometimes in church that if I always do what's right, then I can avoid trouble. You read the scripture and you'll find that that's just not accurate. That sometimes doing the right thing means you're going to find trouble. But the good thing about finding trouble like that is that God is in the midst of the trouble with you. He'll not leave you out of it. He'll not be separated from you because you're doing what's right. So... So because sometimes, pastor, doing what's right still leads to trouble for me, the question must be, then what am I going to do? Then what am I going to do? If if doing what's right is still going to cause me problems, if doing what's right is still going to be difficult at times, so what are you going to do? As a Christian, as a child of God, as somebody that has been blood-bought and redeemed, We have to still do what's right. We have to still do what's right, even though it may cost me something along the way. Jesus did nothing wrong, and it cost him his life. And so if him, why not me? Remember that the enemy wants to make a trade, and the trade is always your future for a present moment. It's always trading your future for the present. He's always trying to get you to circumvent God's ultimate plan for your life. To take something now over something that God is building for you in the future. We can't make that trade. Joseph doesn't trade. He chooses to do what's right. And just because you do what's right doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing. 
Along the way, you're going to get knocked down. And here's my third point is that if you get up, you have to get up after you get knocked down. You are going to get knocked down in life. You are going to get punched in the gut from time to time and you are going to find yourself flat on your face. What are you going to do? Are you going to lay there and whine about that? Or are you going to get up and keep moving forward? Everyone in your life may yell to you, stay down, don't get up, but you don't listen, you got to get up. He says in the clip that nothing punches as hard as life and I believe that that is absolutely the truth. He says it will beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. And that is a fact. And there are people in this congregation today that you have let life punch you in the gut, you've let life knock you down, and you have let life keep you down instead of getting back up and moving forward. But I come to tell you today, today is a day of victory for you. Today is a day where you wipe the blood off of your face and you get back up and you stand toe to toe with life and you say, whatever God has for me, I'm going to embrace it and I'm not letting anything stop me from getting a hold of it. Life is going to punch you in the face from time to time and what are you going to do in response to it? Because the fact is, life's a bully. Life's a bully. Have you ever dealt with a bully? There's only one way to deal with a bully. And that is you've got to go back at them. A bully will come and they'll beat you up. They'll take your lunch money. They'll treat you like a dog as long as you let them. But if you get tired of it and you stand up, yeah, you may get beat up in the process. But the only way to stand up to a bully is to stand up to a bully and to fight them back. The only way to stand up to life is to stand up and say, I'm not going to let life just do to me whatever it wants. I'm going to decide my outcome. I'm going to decide my future. I'm going to dictate my path. He says this, and I love this, love this. He says, you have to be willing to take the hits and not point the finger and say, I'm not where I want to be because of him or her or anybody. You have to be willing to take the hits And not spend your life making excuses as to why you're not where you want to be. It's not his fault. It's not her fault. It's not anybody's fault. I'm not saying today, and I'm not being um, lacking compassion with you, when I say I understand that you've gone through some things. People in this room have been mistreated. You've been abused. You've been talked to like dogs. You've been treated like like people shouldn't be treated. I get that. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to live based on what others have spoken over you and what others have done to you? Or are you going to stand back up and say, I'm not going to be this person anymore. I'm going to embrace what God has for me and I'm going to forgive and overcome in the process. Cowards are the ones that stay down. Cowards are the ones that say, I'm not getting back up. I'm not facing that bully. I'm not dealing with that situation. I'm just going to hide. I'm just going to bunker up. I'm going back to the pit. And I'm going to live in that pit. Because in that pit, I may not see a lot of sun. There may not be a lot of life around me. But at least I'm safe in the pit. Are you? Are you safe? God's never called you to live safe anyway. Said God didn't call us to live safe lives. Let's go on. Genesis 39. 
verse 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Thank God for that. Amen. He was mistreated, yes, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him the greatest weapon that we have as Christians, and that is he gave him favor. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. You can't keep a good man like a Joseph down because no matter where you put him, no matter what you do to him, he's always going to rise to the top of his situation. He was thrown in prison. He could have just gave up and said, well, I guess God's dream's never going to come true in my life. I guess God's plan for me is never going to unfold. I just did what was right. I don't know why God's treating me like this. But he didn't do that. He got into the prison. He thought, okay, here's where I am. Now here's where I can go. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to rise to the top. I'm going to rise to the top and be the best that I can be. And so here's my fourth point is that you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep moving forward forward. Don't get stuck where you don't want to be. Don't get stuck where you don't want to be. Nobody raised their hand but I would, I would just ask this question do you feel stuck today? I believe there's people in this room that you feel stuck. Life has thrown you into this position and you feel stuck in that position. And it's like, what am I going to do? How do I get out of it? Being stuck is a classic lie of the enemy. He will convince you that there's no place for you to go. That there's no place for you to move. There's no way to escape your current circumstance. But that is a lie. We serve a God who is transcendent. He's above it all. And if He's above it all, then He can reach His hand down to me. And He can lift me out of that same situation. Don't get stuck. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. You don't know, listen to me, you don't know what options are available to you unless you get a different perspective. And you can't get a different perspective if you stay in the same spot all the time. The pit looks like the pit and it looks like the pit every single day of its life. It's nothing but walls with dirt. That's what it is. And if you get focused on that, you're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel like there's no way out. But you got to get moving. you got to find a new perspective and get a fresh vantage point to do what, what you need to do. You've got to move. Listen, fighters lose fights mainly for two reasons. First of all, they lose fights because of bad footwork. If a person stands still and never moves their feet, they're going to get their head knocked off. You have got to move your feet. And Christians get in trouble and they lose fights. Why? Because they got bad footwork. They don't know how to move their feet. They don't know how to get themselves moving in the right direction. They just stand still and whine about why things aren't changing in their lives. Bad footwork. You stand still, you're going to get beat down. You've got to move your feet. Turn to your neighbor and say, move your feet. Make sure they're still awake this morning. The second reason fighters lose fights is because they can't take a punch. You have some fighters that got great footwork, but the first time they get hit, they're done. They can't take a punch. Christians are losing battles because they can't take a punch. And the first time they get hit, they're done. 
I don't want to get hit. I don't like being hit. And I'm just going to lay down on the mat and let them count to ten. Get up. Keep moving forward. Learn how to take a hit and keep moving forward. Learn how to take a hit this morning and keep moving forward. I'm getting so tired of Christians coming and saying, I can't do this ministry because this is happening in my life. Take a hit and keep moving forward. If that's all it takes for the enemy to derail you off of your purpose and his plan for God's plan for you, then you bet you're going to get hit. That's a simple fix for him. We got to learn to roll with the punches. If I waited to preach until I was in perfect spiritual alignment with God and my relationships around me were in perfect harmony and everything in my life was rosy and right, I would never preach to you on a Sunday. It's the truth. I'm just being real with you. You know when me and April fight the most? Sunday, Wednesday. Is that a coincidence? I think not. Now we've learned to recognize that and so what we do a lot of times is just avoid each other. <laughs> and that works pretty good. But if I waited till everything was perfect in my life, till I didn't have anybody mad at me or upset with me, until everything in my life was in perfect alignment, I would never do what God's calling me to do. What I'm saying to you is we got to take some hits along the way and still do what we're supposed to do. Well, pastor, when everything gets right in my life, then I'll start helping. Well, just count on it never getting right. Because if that's all it takes for the enemy to keep you from serving your purpose, then he'll keep trouble in your life. you got to do it in spite of what's going on around you. It ain't about how hard you can hit. He says, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's about how much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't throw in the towel. Take the hit and keep moving forward. Amen. And my last point is simply fight to the final bell. Fight to the final bell. Genesis 41 says, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. That tells me that Joseph was in prison for two full years, serving faithfully, waiting on his opportunity, and it says that Pharaoh had a dream. We say a lot of times, Pastor, it's never going to happen for me. It may take a while, but it is going to happen if you'll fight till the final bell. Victory comes at the final bell, amen? Pharaoh's dream was that there was going to be this famine in the land and, and long story short, that they needed to be prepared. They were going to have seven years of plentiful followed by seven years of famine and if they prepared in the seven years of plentiful that they could survive the seven years of famine. And so Joseph comes to Pharaoh and he says, yes, I can tell you your dream. Let me interpret it for you. And he tells him and he says, look, this is what you need to do. He says, you have got to get somebody in place that can prepare for the famine that's coming. And this is what it says in verse 37. It says, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand, put it on Joseph's hand. He clothed him in the garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. A gold chain. And he, had, he made him ride in the second chariot which he had made. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moments before this, Joseph is a prisoner in a prison that he has been a resident of for two years. I would imagine even though Joseph was believing and serving to his utmost, he could have never in a million years seen or pictured how God would pull him out of prison and put him in the palace. God can pull you out of a prison today and He can pull you out of a pit and He can place you in His palace today. He can set you on a path where you are more than what you currently are. He wants to do that. And so here's what I want to say to you today. When we talk about fighting till the final bell is that we have to fight with heart. You have to have some heart. You have to put your heart in the process. I'm so tired of people serving without heart. I'm saying you got to engage that in the process. you got to put your heart into some things. Yes, there's a risk of getting yourself hurt in the process. If you have your heart in something, you may get your heart hurt from time to time. But you have got to put your heart into something if you're going to be successful at it. You've got to fight with heart. Why do we love Rocky? Because even though he is not the best athlete, even though he is getting his tail whipped, From the time he gets in the ring, he never quits. Even when he should just stay on the ground, he gets back up. God is looking for some people like that today. He's looking for some people that will say, no matter what the enemy throws my way, I will not quit. I will not throw in the towel. I'll get up every time. I'll keep moving forward. And I am going to fight until the final bell. We have to... We have... To understand that heart beats talent every time. Don't give me the most talented people in the world. Most of them have so much ego and so much attitude that you can't do anything with them. Give me some people with some heart to serve and a heart to love people and a heart to do something for God and you can change the world with those people. we got to fight with pride. Now, I'm not talking about sinful pride, but a pride that keeps you believing in yourself. Some of us need to have a little pride in ourselves. A little pride that, 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 that keeps us getting up after we get knocked down. A pride that makes us keep swinging until the final bell. And then we had to fight to win. Fight to win. Fight to win. Don't fight to survive. We're not fighting to survive, people. We're fighting to win. One of the things that uh, the UFC president says all the time is he says, uh, never leave the the decision in the hands of the judges. Why? Because we want it to be clear and undisputed who the winner is. We don't want to leave the decision in the hands of the judges at the end of our life, deciding whether or not we lived a life successfully or not. Let's leave no doubts. Let's leave no questions. Let's fight without um, 
acquit in us and keep moving forward with God. We got to fight until the final bell. I'm going to ask them to come to the keyboard this morning. Everybody stand across this place if you would. So what are you going to do today? The five points of this two-part message has been know what you're worth, go get what you're worth, get up when you get knocked down, keep moving forward and fight until the final bell. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, if a prayer team would come, let me just ask you this morning, are you in a fight today? Are you in a fight today? Are you fighting some battles today? You're waging some war today in your life. You may be between rounds right now. But you know when you walk out that door here in just a few moments that that fight's going to resume. And you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to lay down and let life happen to you or if you're going to go out there swinging and be all that God's created you to be. What I'm asking you to do today, if you're in that fight and you're feeling that, and you know the enemy is just waging war on your life, then I want you to come to the front. I want you to get some encouragement today. Go to your corner, so to speak, and let your coach encourage you today. These prayer people are serving has that today. They are they are assistance to the greatest coach in the universe and that is God himself. He's here to help you. So if that's you, would you come? Would you come and say that's me, pastor. I'm fighting some battles and I need I need some help today. I need I need some victory in my life. Come on. Hey man. Hey man, I'm tired of being knocked down and staying down, but I'm getting up and I'm fighting for what's right in my life today. Are you here and you're fighting for the final bell and only hoping, hoping for a good decision? Listen, you can leave the day without a doubt as to where you'll spend eternity by making a decision today to follow Christ and to serve Him as your Lord and Savior. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, come to me.